This is Conversations on Discipleship with Father Adam Streitenberger from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and Diocese of Columbus Media. Welcome to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me today is Seth Burkholder. Welcome, Seth. Thanks for having me. Um, Seth's been telling us about his kind of his story of faith, and right now um, he's met his uh, a girl um, who will become his wife, who's Presbyterian. And you know, it's interesting you do br- you bring up that point about the um, kind of Protestant services is that there is a vague, you know, I mean, you know, Methodism, yep. Lutheranism, um, Presbyterianism, even especially Episcopalianism, like. They kind of took some of the structure from the Mass. They Obviously, they cut out a lot of it. Yeah. And if we don't know our faith very well, we could really think that, oh, yeah, this is just as good as the Mass. But there's a, there's a whole lot missing from those. Um, so you began to kind of practice Presbyterianism. Yeah, with yeah, and I will say I never um, was not Catholic. I never yeah. joined... And became like an official Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. I just always went to service with them. And uh, you know, you point out the similarities and how that can be dangerous because it's not a hundred percent the mass, and that's so true. And and the one I point out is four years into our dating, uh, you know, during this time we kind of struggled with, you know, like when we would go to the Presbyterian service, like, why aren't you receiving communion? And I'm like, well, because it's not the body and blood of Jesus, and you guys think it's just a symbol. And at that time, like I knew nothing mm-hmm. apologetics. Like I just knew, you know, you know, the basic Last Supper narrative, you know, um, and didn't even really fully comprehend that. And she would just always press me, like, you know, why, why don't you receive? Why don't you receive? You know, it's the same thing. And so finally, at Christmas, uh, four years into dating, I, I made that fateful decision to receive communion for the first time in a Presbyterian service, and uh, that was that was a, that was a huge point. Uh, one, it was kind of a, in some ways, uh, a selfish move uh, towards our relationship, um, and a movement away from you know God and the Eucharist as mm-hmm. we know Him, and so that that was a hard a hard part. And then, uh, you know, seven flash forward, you know, seven more years. We've been dating for eleven years now, and we're deciding to get married. And we run into the issue of should we have a Catholic nuptial mass or should we do a Presbyterian? you know, wedding service, what do we do? Uh, you know, and at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of push from like my mom other than, you know, like you need to get married in a Catholic mass because it's a sacrament. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but what's that? You know, and she didn't have the answer, you know? Um, but, you know, I like I always like to say, you know, the Holy Spirit was working through her. I just wasn't listening because that should have been enough to move me to question why at that time in my life. And I was not. Um so we made the decision to get married in a Presbyterian service without approval from the bishop because I, we didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, went right into marriage with uh, an invalid marriage in the eyes of the church. Um, and uh, again, we bring up communion. It's very uncommon for Presbyterians to have communion at a wedding service. And we requested it mm. and they, they, they allowed it. Um, and kind of, uh, you know, one of those kind of like God moments the person who assisted at the wedding, who helped with distributing communion, kind of like what we would call an extraordinary minister, 
ended up converting to Catholicism the same year my wife did. Mm. And we didn't find it out until a week before he mm. actually came in. Interesting. Yeah, I think we read it in the Catholic Times. So that was just interesting, like how God's working even back then in something that you look back on now as like what I would view as a very great yeah. sin. And you alluded to this point, which... um you know, maybe our listeners are familiar with or not, but you know, a Catholic is bound by form. It's sort of the, that's the lingo, the Catholicese that we use that, you know, a Catholic needs, you know, they're, they're kind of required um, to be married in a Catholic ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, um, it, you know, in order to really receive the sacrament. Um, however, in, Certain situations, certain pastoral situations, especially mixed marriages where maybe um, one of the spouses is not very comfortable with the Catholic Church or at the Catholic ceremony, some of that might be cultural, Mm -hmm. some of it may be their family or their family background, Um, a Catholic can get a dispensation from that form and um, from the local bishop in order to marry in, in a ceremony that's not Catholic. Yep. Um, it's not, it's usually given in these specific situations where there's a, a non Catholic who really can't, you know, would not be comfortable at all, or her fa- or their family would not be comfortable at all getting married in a Catholic ceremony. So it's not unheard of that this happens. Um, but none, you know, nonetheless, um, it seems to me you still saw yourself as Catholic at this point. 100%, and never and never had any ideas or thoughts about ever not being Catholic. Um, that was just... But it was more out of just, I don't know, like just the title, not necessarily knowing the faith, because I didn't. Mm-hmm. I always tell people all the time, like, I didn't even know Peter was the first pope. That's how little I knew about the Catholic faith. Yeah. You know, it's... And it's interesting, one of the things I kind of want to, you know, to kind of dig in a little bit is, you know, that act of reception of communion, which you did, you know, at that Christmas day at the Presbyterian service, and then ultimately at your wedding. And um, I think, you know, it's it's interesting, I've been, um, over the last, um, I think since summer, I've been um, reading a biography sequentially of every single president. Okay. So I'm kind of like going through, right now I'm at like John Tyler, who's like the 10th president. But anyway, it, it talks about, you know, like, so like George Washington or um, Andrew Jackson, for instance, um, they would not receive communion. Um, John Washington was an Episcopalian um, Andrew Jackson was a Presbyterian. They wouldn't. They wouldn't receive communion because they wanted to appear non-denominational, as if mm. you know they, while they were religious men, while they were Christian men, um, nonetheless, they didn't want the nation to think that they, you know, prescribed to just one sort of denomination. Fascinating. And so they would refuse. And 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 so it is built into Protestantism that reception of communion is an act whereby you identify with that denomination. Yeah. It was just like John Adams, for instance, would receive communion in, um, ultimately, the, it was a Unitarian congregation, but originally it was a congregational one. But it's an act, a specific act, by which you're identifying with that particular communion and, you know, the community. 
Um, and it's interesting, like in our age, for some reason, you know, only Catholics seem to make that point that the reception of communion at a Catholic mass is an act that you believe and accept everything that the church proposes and right, that you recognize right. communion with it. But everyone else seems to have jettisoned that, um, but yet they used to practice that. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But anyway, so um, you're, you and your wife are married in the Presbyterian church, mm-hmm. and so for, um, how, how did... You know, after wedding, how did everything kind of... Yeah, uh, we just continued right on in the Presbyterian world. I'd say I went to Mass, Christmas and Easter only, you know, CEO type mentality. Um, And then it was uh, three years into our marriage, uh, Presbyterian uh, faith decided to abandon what we would have considered, you know, kind of foundational, fundamental teachings of humanity. Um, and at the time, again, not still not knowing much, we were like, this, this just doesn't make logical sense to us. And so we, we immediately stopped going and my, my wife, uh, revoked her membership and we said, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, now what do we do? What were these teachings that you kind of were, you sure, know, sure. Yeah. So, by? so they started to uh, allow homosexual ordinations and homosexual marriages. Hmm. That and and it's interesting. I mean, you weren't well catechized, but yet there was something um that you kind of instantly found unattractive by that teaching. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's uh it just it, it it didn't jive with anything that I had ever learned about Christianity, even though I hadn't learned much. It it, it didn't jive with that um and just kind of, you know, the foundation from the beginning of what God has designed. Um, in, in order to build his kingdom, it just did not make sense. Uh, again, but without not knowing anything. And so, and we wanted to try to be fair because we didn't know anything. And so this really became kind of that key moment in our faith where we said, okay, like we need to wake up. We need to start studying. We need to find out what is the truth. And so we went initially on this journey of like, what was God's plan for marriage? What is his plan for building up his kingdom? Through, the, through his people. And so as we started studying all the different denominations out there and what they teach, we really came across a, a wide spectrum of, of beliefs and teachings. And that was kind of mind-blowing for us because, I mean, I would say we probably grew up with Mary, uh, like a, a religious indifference attitude. You know, part of that stemmed from kind of having those mixed parents who weren't, neither one was very strong living out their faith. So it seemed kind of like, well, we're all the same we're all on the same team. We're just kind of going about it a different way, different traditions. But as we started to study what we considered foundational, fundamental, we're like, well, then how can we be on the same team? Like if one's teaching this and another's teaching that or a variation. And so as we learned that, we're like, okay, let's take this a step further. What's the truth on baptism? And again, you see all these different denominations teaching, you know, baptism necessary for salvation, baptize children, don't baptize children, all these different things. Uh, and then we just kept taking it further and further through, you know, what many people, you know, who either convert or come back to the faith eventually get through. Well, um, Seth, thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me um, has been Seth Burkholder. 
And again, uh, thank you, Seth. Um, and until next time, peace and all good.